You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death hell and the grave jesus is the only one who could say this come on let's celebrate today come it on, is Jeff. easter 2022 Woo! come on <laughs> come on thanks pastor bobby awesome man we want to welcome you it's a great full house here we want to welcome those that are online as well it's easter and man jessica and i have been gone the last two sundays we've missed you we love you guys and we have a huge assignment in front of us today and uh, i understand that i feel the weight but i want you to know as much as i love you this morning my goal is not to make you happy sorry to say although i want you to be happy too and it's really not my goal to wow you in some way. In fact, if, you, if your expectations are kind of high today, just bring your expectations way down. <laughs> my goal today is to share some truth, some truth from God's Word. And I know that some of you are going to leave and you're going to say, you know, I didn't really like what Pastor Ben had to say or what, uh, you know, the things that he was saying. I'm not even sure if I believe those things. And that's okay because I will join the ranks of those like Jesus because there were people that didn't like Jesus as well. And so I'm okay with that. But my goal today, like Pastor Sean said at, in, during worship, is that we would experience Jesus in a powerful way. His presence, his power, we've already experienced great worship, and now we're going to dive into God's Word. And I want us to leave today with a, a sense that, like the Apostle Paul in Philippians, he said this, I want to know Christ and to experience, everyone say to experience, to experience his mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him. Ooh, that doesn't sound so fun. Sharing in his death. What does that mean? So that one way or another, I will, again, experience, say it one more time, experience the resurrection from the dead. If we could leave with one thing imprinted on our hearts, it would be that, that we would experience this. Not just a celebration. We might celebrate with our families later this afternoon with Easter. But today, in this moment, we want to experience all that Easter has for us. And so I want to answer a few questions around Easter, around the resurrection. And uh, really to get us going is to uh, give us some background. I want us to go all the way back to the second book of the Bible, to the book of Exodus. And we've been studying the book of Exodus uh, all year long, and we'll be back in the book of Exodus next week. But I want to start here because that's where we see some things that tie into Easter uh, come to life. Exodus starts with God's people being enslaved. Uh, the Egyptians had them under their, or they were under their, his thumb, uh, the thumb of Pharaoh. And God, Yahweh God, shows up on the scene and he saves his people. And he shows how much he loves them. And I love the fact that the story kind of progresses and there's plagues, there's uh, 10 plagues that, that are destructive to Egypt. And on the 10th plague, plague, one night, one night only, the death angel passes over the entire country, killing 
every single firstborn son, unless a family put the blood of an innocent lamb over the doorpost of their, of their house. That was the inauguration of what we call the Passover. The Passover was a big deal. It became Israel's first national holiday. And it's a powerful story of a perfect lamb, right, and bloodshed and a Passover meal. But the power of the story is not in the plagues, although those were very powerful. It wasn't in the exodus of two million people being released out of Egypt. The power is in the typology in the story, how it parallels the New Testament from the Old Testament, bringing it together in the gospel story of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the Passover becomes the most significant event of the Old Testament, hands down. And really, it's a picture of what Jesus would do and be for us. One commentator wrote it this way. He said, God sketched the book of Exodus in black and white, but then he painted the gospels in brilliant color. So in one sense, Old Testament, black and white, and then boom, it comes to life. And I want to illustrate, fast forward to the New Testament with me, to the gospel story. In each of the gospels, we read an account like this, but in Luke's gospel, it says that Jesus was sitting with his disciples. He was experiencing Passover, right? And he was celebrating that. And it says he took some bread and gave thanks to it for, uh, thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying this. And here's where the colors come to life. He said, this is my body. He totally changes it, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took the wine and he said, this is the cup, the new covenant between God and his people. Again, painting in beautiful color, changing the Passover meal. And he says, and it's an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. At the end of service today, we're going to partake in, the, in Holy Communion at the Lord's Supper, and we'll do that at the end. But at this moment for Jesus, he had already experienced the passion coming into Jerusalem and them saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, and all of the, that uh, has already happened. From this moment forward, Jesus was headed towards the cross and then to the grave. But we know the story doesn't end there because then there's an empty tomb. And it's interesting that the, the Easter story starts, though, with that death, the death of Jesus on the cross. Jesus being the perfect lamb, bloodshed, sins paid for, period. Jesus paid it all. And I was thinking about it. You know, if someone, if you have a rent payment that's due, or if you've got a mortgage that is due on a monthly basis, um, if you don't, God bless you. Um, but uh, we can, most of us can relate that if you pay that bill and then they charge it again and uh, charge you double, you're saying, no, 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 I've already paid for that. And I'm not paying twice for two, for two months in one. How many know what I'm talking about? And the same is true. Jesus paid it all. And what that means for us is that if Jesus has paid it all, then we have freedom 
in Jesus. Hallelujah, right? So what happened in the Old Testament, the people, they put an innocent blood of a lamb over the doorpost. And so when they look up, to the, they see the blood instead of ju- God's judgment. But at the same moment, God looks down, right? And instead of seeing sinners, he sees the blood that's covered and he, it spares them judgment. And in the New Testament with the cross, when we look up, we see Jesus on the cross. We see his blood being shed and it spares us instead of judgment. And when God looks down and he sees us today, For those of us that have found Jesus, that have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he doesn't see our sin. Instead, he sees the blood that was shed on Jesus around the cross. That's incredible, isn't it? The death of Jesus took care of our sins. And that's what Good Friday is all about. Some of you wondered, why did, why did they call him Good Friday uh, the, the, when Jesus died? Why do they call it good? That's exactly why. And, uh, and today, what I want to do is talk about the fact that, yes, God, or Jesus died on Good Friday, but, and he covered our sins. Was that enough? Well, I don't believe it was. We want to look at the story and answer the question, why did Jesus need to come back to life? First question we're going to answer is, why did Jesus have to be resurrected? Why is the resurrection necessary? Would Jesus' death have been enough? And when I think about that, my mind kind of goes to a thought, um, all talk, no show. How many know someone that's all talk and no show, right? We all can put our hands up, probably think of somebody. Sometimes it's related to sports or it can be business or just in general. And I was thinking, about it this week. I was thinking, I wonder how many of the guys that show up on Easter, how many of you guys think you could take me in a fight? All right, let me just see a, a show of hands. Okay, I've got some hands, a young man over here. Ben, I know you can take Nate, not, not even questioning. You, you think so, Mike? Really? Yeah, Any, anybody else, any takers think you can take me? You, okay, oh yeah, yeah. How old are you? Eleven, yes, you can probably tell. Oh, hope. I said the guys, not the gals. Now you've just offended me, but I'll get over it quick. All right, so you think about it. The problem is that if I was like, hey, I could take you, any of the guys. I'm Pastor Sean. I'm both services. You didn't raise your hand, and that. Oh, you did. I've been threatening Sean that he might not make it till September. You want a piece of me? <laughs> the problem is, if I told Pastor Sean, you want a piece of me, he would crush me. But I, I understand that, uh, along with a bunch of others of you. I, we got some got big guys here. Ed, you didn't think you could take me? No? Okay. All right. All right. Okay. But anyway, the problem is, if I was all like, yeah, I, I'll take you. Yeah, the problem is, I'm not showing up. I don't care. If we said after service, 1230, in the parking lot, I'm going the other way. I'm staying in the office. I'm, I'm staying here. I'll be praying at the altar. And you know, Lord knows we're not fighting at the altar. And the problem is it would be all talk, no show. And nobody likes someone like that, right? And no one likes a dreamer in that way. No one likes those false claims or the, the, a liar saying, oh, I'm going to do this. And then you never do. Well, to answer this question, why did Jesus have to be resurrected? 
The reason he had to be resurrected was to prove he was who he claimed he was to be, right? The Gospels, in all four Gospels, Jesus makes some outrageous claims about himself. Some are clear, some are not so clear. He claimed to come from heaven. I could probably claim that I came from heaven. I came from heaven. And you'd say, prove it. Well, I really can't. He said he was without sin, I could claim I was without sin, and then you could talk with my wife, and uh, she would know different, right? She could tell you a different story. He claimed he would tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well, I know the effort it took to build this building, and there's no way I'm doing that. Jesus claimed to have power to forgive sin, and you're saying, whoa, 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 don't claim that. I mean, that would be blasphemy. He claimed he was God, that the, God the Father and he were one. But most outrageous, in all four Gospels uh, capture it, but in Mark's Gospel it says that Jesus began to tell that the Son of Man, that's, he's describing himself, he called himself the Son of Man, must suffer many terrible things and be re rejected by the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of the law. No problem. But then he went on to explain that he would be killed. But three days later... He would rise from the dead. That's outrageous. Why did Jesus need to be resurrected? It was to prove his promise to return. To prove he keeps his promises. And by the way, there's no other God in all of history that has claimed that they would come back from the dead. Mohammed, Buddha, Joseph Smith, you can you know, fill in the blank. Not one claimed to come back from the dead, period. And you know, we've got this verse that uh, Pastor Bobby read earlier, Revelation 1, 17 through 18. The reason Jesus could say this is because he did come back, and we'll see this in a second. It says, but do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died. But look, I am alive forever and ever. I hold the keys of death and the grave. So that's the first question. Why did Jesus have to be resurrected? But there's another question that comes to my mind. All right, well, he had to be resurrected if he's going to you know, prove himself. But was Jesus really resurrected? I think it's a fair question. And many, many of us have wrestled with this. And maybe you're wrestling with it this morning, and that's okay. I'm glad that you're here. Did he really die? Did he really come back from the grave? And first of all, the thing you have to know when you read the gospel story is that there was no one that was looking for a resurrection. Not the disciples, not one of them were thinking resurrection. The women that were following Jesus, not one of them were looking for a resurrection. Jesus' friends did not believe it. Dead meant dead. Everyone say, dead means dead. Right? And that was the case. And then when the women came to embalm Jesus on the day after he was put into the grave to kind of finish the burial process, when they found an open tomb, they weren't saying, oh, he must have been resurrected. What is this? What? If you've read the story before, they're saying, hey, where did the gardener put Jesus? Someone has stolen him. Someone has taken him. That was their mind. And when they came back to tell the disciples, right, now Peter and John kind of take off. In Luke 24, it describes it. It says, however, Peter jumped up, ran to the tomb to look. He stoops down. He peers in, sees the empty linen wrapping. And then he went home again, wondering what had happened. 
He's not thinking, oh, well, Jesus has been resurrected. Praise the Lord. He's saying, what in the world has happened? Two men from Emmaus were walking with Jesus. Jesus reveals himself to them a little later in Luke's gospel. And then those two men are sharing this with the disciples. Luke 24, 35 through 37 says that two from Emmaus told the story of how Jesus had appeared to them when they were walking down the road and how they recognized him when he broke the bread. And then look, as they were just telling it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. So now Jesus appears in a locked room and, uh, and all of a sudden, the disciples are like, oh, a resurrection. No, no. Jesus said, peace be with you. Good thing he did. But verse 37, the whole group, not one of them believed in resurrection. They were startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. And you think about it. They were shocked. They're saying, this is some sort of crazy thing. Now, if Jesus and his disciples were trying to create some illusion that he died and now he's back to life, don't you think they would have wrote it a little bit different? Instead, the disciples documented over and over their disbelief. Think about it. Was Jesus resurrected? Yes, 100%. As a fact, and it served as a foundation for the first century followers. Not a Bible. One pastor this week I was reading, and he was talking about Easter, and he's saying, hey, uh, the early disciples, they didn't have the Bible like we do. You can't say, well, why did Jesus, you know, did Jesus raise from the grave? Uh, yes, the Bible tells me so. They didn't have a Bible. The reason they believed, or the reason they believed was because they saw it with their own eyes. The whole city of Jerusalem, the entire Roman Empire knew that Jesus had been risen. It was not a secret. At least 15 historical references to Jesus, meeting Jesus, or meeting people, touching people, talking to people after he'd been crucified. He made breakfast, right? He talked with 500. Look at Paul writing to the Corinthian church, reminding them of what had happened in uh, chapter 15. He says, I passed on to you what was the most important And what had been passed on to me, Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. He was buried and was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time most of whom are still alive. Some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by the apostles. Last of all, though I had been born at the wrong wrong time, as if I were, I saw him too. This next slide shows all the writers that wrote about the resurrection in the New Testament. Matthew chronicled it. He had walked with Jesus. He's one of the disciples and wrote about it. Mark was the same. It was actually Peter's perspective, but Mark was the one writing about Jesus, that he died and he rose from the grave. A little later on, Luke is interesting because Luke was a doctor, and he, want, he made his account and was very specific, wanted to make sure all the details, and he included not only the death, 
but the resurrection of Jesus. John the same. Peter's interesting because Peter, before Jesus died, he, he kind of hides behind uh, the wall. He says, I will stand with you, and then he's not. He, he, he says, I'll, I will die for you, and then he's hiding, and he's denying that he even never knew Jesus. But after the resurrection, Peter, it's an incredible story. He stands up with incredible courage. And gives an incredible, how, what changed? Well, he saw the resurrected Lord. And later, Peter wrote about it in First and Second Peter. James is an interesting one. That was the brother of Jesus. And he, he believed in his own brother that his brother was his Lord and Savior. How many can imagine with me? I've got two sisters. And you can only imagine that my two sisters would ever Say, Ben, you are our Lord and Savior. Come on. Like James, though, he chronicles it. He writes it down. And then Paul, the Apostle Paul, he experiences Jesus face-to-face on the road to Damascus, and then he gives his life. And what's crazy is most of these guys, maybe all of these guys were martyred. That's not a fact, but uh, it could be a fact. Uh, And the thing is, they all believe. In other words, they're saying, I believe what I believe because of what I have seen. It'd be like me trying to convince you. If you were alive on 9-11 back in September of uh, 2001 and saying, nope, the, the World Trade Center did not get busted up with planes. There was not a terrorist attack again. You'd be like, uh, I remember seeing it with my own eyes. I remember where I was. I, there's no convincing me otherwise. And I know some of you weren't born then. There's other illustrations that would work. The point is, is how could Jesus say in Revelation that he was alive? It's because it is the truth. How could the disciples believe it? One commentator commented about this. He said, the most logical reason why the disciples believe Jesus was alive is because Jesus was alive. Come on, can I get an amen? Amen. Then he goes on, the commentator says, the resurrection was an earth-shattering, history-altering event that forced the disciples to understand the meaning of Jesus' life and death in a completely new way. And that's exactly what happened in Scripture. From that moment forward, the disciples got a bigger picture, a better revelation of who Jesus was. And because it was true, the disciples, they understood that anything that was dead or dying could be resurrected. Wow. Think about it. And the truth of that is still today. Whatever's dying or dead can find new life. Say, how is that possible? The reason is because the devil has been defeated. Amen. So we've answered the question, why did Jesus have to be resurrected? To prove he was who he said he was. Was he resurrected? I believe he was, and I hope you believe that as well. And that's the third question. Do you believe in the resurrected Jesus? And this is a question, probably the most important question we'll ask all day. Do you believe it? Why, this is why we exist, because we believe that Jesus was. And in a few moments here, we're going to give an opportunity for you to put your faith in Jesus. We're going to give a salvation call, a chance for you to repent. In first service, uh, some people gave their heart to Jesus, and I'm hoping here 
it'll be the same. But before we get to that question, I think it's important for us to understand, what does all this mean? Easter, the Passover, the resurrection, what does it all mean? And I don't think it's overdramatic to say that what it means is that it changes everything. There are three specific things that it changes. The first is it provides forgiveness. The resurrection, Easter, Passover, forgiveness. Colossians 2 says this, you were dead because of your sins. Because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. That describes every single one of us, right? Then God made you alive with Christ and he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it by nailing it to the cross. In the same way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. The truth is, Easter and then the resurrection, celebrating the resurrection, allows us to have forgiveness of sin. And again, we talked about earlier that if someone's paid a bill, you don't pay it twice. If you go out to eat after church today and you pay and then they charge your debit card twice, how many know you're calling back and saying, no, no, I already paid. And the same is true. And what that means for us is that if we've experienced forgiveness, if we can experience that, we don't have to pay for it ourselves. So we don't have to nail ourselves to a cross over and over, beat ourselves up. Instead, we can accept the gift of God in us. Stop nailing yourself to the cross. The second thing, not only is forgiveness provided through Easter, the resurrection story, but there's power. When I mention dead and dying things coming back to life, you say, well, how can that be? Well, there's power. Ephesians chapter 1 says, as I pray to you, you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same power that raised Christ from the dead and is seated in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. That is an incredible verse. I want to ask you, where do you need power in this present day? This is not future power. This is present power that's available. Anything dead or dying. Now, is it your marriage that's struggling? Maybe no one even knows there's resurrection power for your marriage. Maybe you need help in school, maybe with your friends or maybe with your actual schoolwork. It could be your finances. Maybe you're up to here in bills and you're just barely staying afloat. Or maybe you think you've already been drowned. It could be your health and and there's lots of health needs or your emotions. Or maybe you need wisdom to come to life and you need that kind of power. Maybe your business or maybe in your serving opportunities here on the lakeshore. Where do you need the power of Jesus? Resurrection power to be alive and active. It's for the present. See, what happens is sometimes we get stuck and we feel like we're stuck and we can't move forward. Well, there's power for that. 
When I was thinking about it, I used to have a Jeep, a Jeep Grand, or not Grand Cherokee, just a Cherokee. Loved that car. And uh, four-wheel drive, and I was the type, as some of you that know me might imagine, um, I enjoyed getting off-road and, you know, uh, enjoying the full benefit of having a Jeep. And uh, uh, I was, I showed up at camp. I was uh, the worship leader, believe it or not, <laughs> Pastor Bobby, that's kind of laughable now. Uh, because you never let me talk, or I mean, you let me talk, but you don't let me sing, and you guys are all like, thank you, Bobby, but anyway, but anyway, I was leading worship, and I, I had my Jeep, and after the orientation, it was nighttime, I thought, hey, come on, guys, I, we put a few guys in the Jeep, and we were going to go off-roading, well, we found a spot that was pretty sweet on the campgrounds, we thought, oh, it's, a, it's safe, or whatever, and we found a spot that you kind of went down, and then kind of through a little river, and then kind of back up, and we just, you know, made all kinds of fun <laughs> in tracks. And, um, and what happened, you know how it is, you know, you start a little bit and then you go a little further and then you press the limits a little more and then you see if you can get airborne. Anybody with me? Thank you, at least one of you. All right, good. And, uh, and anyway, long story short, we got stuck and it wasn't good. And we got another truck, and we couldn't get the other truck to get us out. And we're like, oh, my goodness, whatever. And it was, it was, not, it was dark, and it was late. And we're like, all right. Uh, so I called a friend of mine, and he owns a crane company in Dayton, Ohio. We were in Columbus. And he's like, well, I'm not coming out now. It was like 1 in the morning. And he's like, I'll come out tomorrow morning. And I was like, whew, thank you, Jesus. Well, before he got there, the camp director showed up, called the cops, and by the time I woke up, the cops were looking for whoever's Jeep this was, and I paid dearly. <laughs> I was stuck in more than one way. And then I found out that that big ravine that was all nice and the, the, the river had just been redone by the campground, and they had spent thousands of dollars to, to fix it all. And I was stuck paying the big bill. That was the most expensive week of camp I've ever experienced. And then I had to tell my wife, my sweet wife, Jessica, what I had done. And then I was really stuck, if you know what I mean. And, I, and I'm like, oh, man, there was no power that was getting me out of this, although the campground did forgive me, and I did pay the bill. And the, the, the point is, is that some of us get stuck, and we think, okay, I can't do this on my own. Well, the good news is there's power, resurrection power, that can get us out of whatever mess we've found ourselves in, and that is good news. That's what Easter is all about, forgiveness, power. And then there's one other thing that resurrection does. It gives us hope. It gives us hope. What 1 Corinthians says, says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, has been raised, right? He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. And you say, well, what in the world does that mean? It goes on to explain it. So you see, just as death came into the world through one man, who, who was that? That's Adam, right? So through Adam comes all death. So when you're born, you were born with a sin nature. Who do we blame for that? It was Adam. But I always say, if it wasn't Adam, it would have been me because we're, you know, just whatever. 
lost my place. So you see, just as death came into the world through one man, now resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. That's Jesus. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, we all died, we're, that's our destiny. It's, it's de- we, you know, there's no question about it. But everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. I've underlined that in my Bible. I encourage you to write it down and you can underline it later. Or if you've got your Bible, underline it now. That last little phrase is so life-changing. Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. If you have a lack of hope this morning, if you're feeling defeated or you feel lost, there is new life for you. And first of all, let me just say, you're not alone if you're feeling that way. I know you look to your neighbors to the left and the right, and it's Easter, and everyone looks so nice and pretty, and, and families look good together, and we got the little photo wall, and, and you, go, you guys will be posting that, and it's fun. But the reality is you're sitting next to people that are struggling. In fact, let's just look around. Turn around. Look at each other. Get, catch someone in the eye that's not with your family. They're struggling just like you are struggling. The, co- the struggle is common. And the truth is, I don't want you to look to me for the answer. I have nothing other than to point you to Jesus. And that's all I can do is point you to the one that can actually give you hope. And the truth is, after today, if you're here in the sound of my voice or you're watching online, the truth is, after today, if you didn't know how to make it to heaven and give your heart to Jesus, which we're going to offer that here in just a second, You will have no excuse when you stand before Jesus on Judgment Day. Either you accept him or you don't. The question is, you say, well, Pastor, how could I believe this? Well, we believe it because Jesus was the precedent for us to believe. He died. He rose from the grave. And so he proved he was who he said he was. He also says in the Gospels that he's the only way to the Father. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. And so you want to make it to heaven, you have to go through Jesus. See, Jesus, his promises are good. He never lied. In fact, he's in the business of fulfilling promises. And his promise is that he's going to return for his church. And we have to be ready. He invites us into a relationship with him. So question, do you need forgiveness today? Forgiveness of sin. Do you need power for whatever you're facing? You feel stuck. You feel like you're, you're just not going. You're spinning your wheels. If you need power today and if you need hope, I want you to know that what you need is to experience something that we call here at the Gateway Church. We describe it death to life. you say that with me? Death to life. That's what we need to experience. I was preparing and sharing this with uh, Mike Jones. Uh, He attends here at the Gateway Church. And he sent me back a text saying, uh, man, I was thinking about your message. I was telling him kind of the perspective I was taking. 
And he, he sent me this text. He said this, and I quote, Jesus' substitutionary death brought us salvation in that it offered forgiveness of past sins. That's the forgiveness piece that we talked about. Forgiveness, number one. But then Mike goes on, he says, but his resurrection brought us abundant life. That's the power in the present. Today, we get to experience everything God wants us to have. Abundant life in the present and eternal life in the future. That's the hope of a different future. The hope of heaven. The hope that we will be resurrected with Jesus. And then he wrote something that caught my attention. He said, our timeline, that's, this would include any single, every single one of us, our timeline is redeemed through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So if our life is a timeline, if you can imagine, at some point, we need to have a decision to put our faith in Jesus, that Jesus would redeem us, that he would save us, that he put his hand upon us and bring us into the family, to have an experience where you were death and now you can experience life moving forward, death to life. One last time, Revelation 1, 17 and 18. Jesus, this is Jesus' words. He says, don't be afraid. He says, I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I died, yes. But look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Do you believe it? Do you believe in the resurrected Jesus? That's the third question we ask. Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. The truth is, with a crowd this big, I don't know everyone. And lots of guests. Thank you for being here. I hope you come back next week. But I don't want to miss an opportunity to give you the opportunity to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation. And all you have to do is admit that you're a sinner, which you already know you are. You need to believe in Jesus, and then you need to confess your sin. If that's you this morning or this afternoon at this point, would you just raise your hand and join those that did first service? Say, yes, that's me. Just slip up your hand. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. If you need Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, just slip up your hand right where you are. Yeah. And I just want to speak to those that maybe have followed Jesus in the past. And I know it's Easter, and maybe it's been a long time since you've made... Uh, really any connection with Jesus, and maybe you feel like you've fallen away and you want to rededicate your heart to Jesus, you can lift your hand as well. I want to pray with you. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Anyone else? Yeah. There's several that raise their hands. I want to just pray and pray a prayer of salvation. I want to encourage you to repeat this after me online. You can just let us know that you're praying this with us, and we will follow up with you every time. 
But this, if you're here this morning in the room, would you just repeat this after me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for the sin in my life. Today, I put my faith in you. I confess my sin, and I believe that you are Lord. I believe that you're the resurrected one, my Savior, in Jesus' name. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And we rejoice with the angels in heaven for what God has done. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I want to encourage you. I want you to stand, and we're going to prepare to uh, receive communion. I just warn you, uh, the communion elements are very difficult to open, so you can work on that while we sing. But let's worship the Lord and prepare our hearts for Holy Communion. Praise the Lord. What we're talking about this morning is going from death to life. In church, the emblems that we're holding, the representation of the body of Christ, the blood of Jesus, we've been eating and remembering without interruption for over 2,000 years. And we joined the saints this morning on Easter morning. The Lamb of God, Jesus, laid down his life. He let his body be beaten and bruised destroyed for us. And his blood was shed before he was on the cross because of the whips on his back, the thorn on his head, but and then he was nailed to the cross. But it doesn't end there. He was put into a grave and then he rose from the grave. And when we partake in communion, we remember the sacrifice. We remember to look within and say, God, purify me. It's a, it's a purifying moment. But then also we look forward to his, the hope of his return because he said he was coming back for his church. So this morning, let's just thank the Lord for these emblems and then we'll try to take them together. Lord, I thank you for your body. Thank you for what it means especially on a day like today. Thank you for your blood. And Lord, I pray that you would just make these things come alive. Paint a beautiful picture in color for us and help us to experience all that you are and all that you want to be in our lives. In Jesus' name. Let's take the body together. And now the blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And once you've attended to that, let's just lift our hands. Let's worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Let's just continue to worship him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Well, let me pray for you as you go. Lord, I just pray that you would go before us and behind us. Help us to continue to experience the power of your resurrection. No matter where we are stuck, no matter what we have found ourselves in. Lord, you have the power to help us today. 
And Lord, you forgive us and you give us hope for the future. God, I pray that you would just continue. Help us to take this message with us. And Lord, we look forward to coming back to be with you again to worship together next week. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen and amen. Turn and greet someone as you leave, and we'll see you at the end at the back door. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.